Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Luke chapter 15. We're in this series called Lost and Found, the Prodigal Son. Today we look at the Father. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the, pig, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and I'm gonna say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father Now, here we go, get locked in here. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to have a party together. Verse 28, the older son became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is now found. Let me pray for us as we open up God's word. Father, right here, right now, we ask that you would open our ears to hear your word and open our hearts 
to yield, to surrender, and to respond to it in ways that are pleasing to you and that bring life to us and the people around us and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I mentioned this last week, but many people say this is the greatest short story that's ever been told. I want to just begin by acknowledging that one of the things that this story reveals is it reveals the lie, the big lie, that so many people walk around life believing. And it's the lie that God, the Father, is an angry judge to his children. So many people I've met they, when they think about God, they go, he's like this angry judge and he's mad at me and he's going to zap me if I do something wrong. And this story is such a powerful highlight of who God the Father is. In fact, I'll just mention to you that Jesus actually said in John 5, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Did you know that? The Father judges no one. He's given all judgment to the Son. We also know that Jesus, the Son of God, came not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. That's the whole meaning of the cross. When you look at the cross, that's where the Son of God took upon himself the judgment of sin so that we could be set free. So as we launch into this, what I really want to go after is what is God the Father really like? My daughter Shannon, over the years, she uh, she used to say that people would ask her, they'd say, Shannon, what's your dad really like? What's your dad really like? I mean, we see him on the stage and we see him at stuff, but you live with him. You're what's he really like? And of course, our children have a front row seat to who we are and what we are really like, and our siblings, and the people that we live with. And so today, I want us to to, to frame this message that Luke 15, the Son of God, Jesus, he tells us what our Father in heaven is really like. So we get a front row seat to that this morning, and I'm just going to have three reflections. We're going to intersperse with some a point, and then we're going to respond in worship and singing. And so my first reflection is, what is the Father, what's he really like? The Father's love is overwhelmingly compassionate. The Father's love is overwhelmingly compassionate. I want to read, reread verse 20. When the younger son had rebelled and now he came to his senses and he turned and was coming home, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Underline that in your Bibles, will you? And it says, he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. I want you to notice a few things here. Number one, while he was still a long way off. You know what that says to us? That our Heavenly Father is not a out-of-sight, out-of-mind Father. This is a Father who is longing, he's waiting, He's actually even eager for his son to return home. And he feels the same way about you. Second thing it says is his father saw him. That made me think, you know, we live in a culture where we, people, 
We want to be seen. We want to be noticed. That's what social media is all about. Notice me. Appreciate me. Like me, right? And, and, and it says the father saw him. You know, our father, he sees us. Our father in heaven, he sees you. He, he notices you. And he's filled with not, I'm angry at you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to zap you. I'm going to harm you. I'm going to hurt you. It's He's filled with love. <clears throat> filled with, in fact, it says he's filled with what? Compassion. That's the next line. The word compassion, actually, there's in the original language, it's moved, deeply moved from, actually, it means from the bowels. It's like this deep feeling of, of I'm so deeply touched and moved towards you with care. And, <clears throat> you know, we've been talking about this book, Gentle and Lowly, um, that I, I just gonna, again, I can't recommend it more. I hope everybody in our church reads it, but here's what the author, Dane Ortland writes uh, about the father. He, he says, what flows out of the father's deepest being? It's compassion. It's this word compassion. That's who God is. That's what, that's what flows out of his deepest being. Not anger, not wrath, but he's moved towards caring and empathy and, and compassion towards us. The next phrase says, he ran to his son. Now, in the English translation, you know, when we read it and in our culture, that doesn't really, we don't, we don't go, whoa, that's unusual. But in the first century, that was very unusual. Let me read a quote from a New Testament scholar at Talbot Theological Seminary, where my wife actually went. And uh, <clears throat> the writer's name is Matt Williams. He wrote this, in the first century, a Middle Eastern man never, never ran. If he were to run, he would have to hitch up his tunic so he would not trip. And if he did this, it would show his bare legs. And in that culture, it was humiliating and shameful for a man to show his bare legs. So here's the question. If it was shameful for a man to run in that culture, why did the father run when his son returned to him? What motivated him to shame himself? And you know the answer. He was deeply moved from within with a deep compassion, a mercy. I love <coughs> Scott Lasea had a t-shirt made, uh, Love Runs, when he did a series on this. Love Runs. And uh, love is willing to... to I'm willing to take on shame of myself to express love. And that's Jesus took on the shame of sin on the cross to express his love for us. And then the last phrase here, it says, and then he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Again, in the original language, it's he kissed him repeatedly. It's this, this affectionate father's love for his wayward, rebellious son. And so let me just uh, remind us that why is this an overwhelmingly, why is the father so overwhelmingly compassionate? I mean, this is all so remarkable because remember, this son is the one who disgraced his family publicly. And now he's coming home and rather than, than getting a lecture, he gets 
compassion, and love. That's powerful. is as much a part of the, the whole message this morning. Let the words that we're singing just find a place in your heart and just soak in that and simmer in that and let it nourish your soul. So here's my second reflection from the story. The first is that the Father's love is overwhelmingly compassionate. The second is the Father's love is wildly extravagant, wildly extravagant. In verse 21 of the story, the son's preparing to give this speech, right? Admitting how he had screwed up. I love the bells. <clears throat> but notice in verse 22, if you have your Bibles, this father doesn't let him pull off his speech. He wouldn't hear of it. So notice what the father did. Notice the words, quick. That's the first word, quick. There's no hesitation on the part of the father. The father's heart is quick to extend grace. And then he says what? <clears throat> Bring the best robe and put it on him. The robe was a sign of acceptance and honor. The robe was this covering. It symbolized his sins are covered. They're forgiven. And then he says, put a ring on his finger. The signet ring was, a, it was for sealing legal Documents. So this was a clear sign of restored authority for his son. It's a, it's a picture of restoration. Then he, and then he says, put sandals on his feet. And this validated that he's my son. He's not a slave. He's not a hired hand. He's my son. And then bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This was a big deal. And I want you just to, to stay in this part of the passage because what God is saying to all of us through this story is there is nothing more important in the world to me than my children, than my son, than my daughter, than you, and then me. 
I mean, God, every person matters to God. And it, it, this passage just shouts of that. I, mean, I just want you to think for a moment about the power of feeling loved and accepted. <clears throat> Do you know that feeling? Have you experienced what it, what it feels like by your family, by your friends, to really feel loved and accepted, to feel cared for, to be included and not cast out. I mean, the good news of the gospel is we have a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, who accepts us, who includes us, who says, you belong to me, you are mine, you are my daughter, you are my son. This is a story of a wildly extravagant father who deeply loves his children. And he invites us to turn towards him like that younger son did, not to live in the, the faraway land. And I'm just thinking right now, somebody's watching who's in that faraway land, maybe afraid to turn toward God. Like I'm, I, I have that image that he's an angry judge and he's full of wrath. The story tells us again and again, when we return, we turn around and say, I wanna come home. I wanna come home to God. I wanna come home to the, to the family of God. There's a place for you at the table without condemnation, without finger pointing, without accusation. That's the devil, he's the accuser. The place at the table of you is, a, is a, it's a place and it's a table of grace and acceptance. And as I said in my point, it's a love that's wildly extravagant. I don't care what you've done, the father doesn't. From this point on, come home, come to the table where there's an extravagant love and grace waiting for you without condemnation. It's extravagant It doesn't make sense We'll never comprehend The way you love us It's unthinkable Only heaven knows Just how far you go To see
Wow. Why, why did God put this story in the Bible? I mean, I just sitting here as you're singing those words. I mean, those words fit this story so perfectly. It's extravagant. It, it doesn't make sense, this love. You know, the Father loves you. It's like, I'm, I, I hope you feel like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just get your attention. I feel like God's trying to get our attention in this story. It's, it's extravagant. It's wildly extravagant. And uh, let's go to the third point. The Father's love is also fiercely, fiercely loyal. Fiercely loyal. Throughout this parable, what is clear about God the Father is his love is unfailing for the younger son, but also for the older son. It's a love that, that never fails. It, it, it's extravagant. It never gives up. It, it, it's a loyal love. Now, I want you to notice in the story that the father doesn't quit and he doesn't give up on either son. I don't know about you, but I am a dad, and I, I don't think I would res have responded to the son, either of the sons, in the way that this father responds. I, uh, I would have said, now, just wait a minute. I got to make sure you learned your lesson. I would have had a lecture. I probably would have had put him on, on probation, the younger son and the older one. I would have just told him he's being a crybaby and quit pouting. Or I mean, I just, there, there's just... When, when you live in this story, and I hope you will this week, just stay in it, that this is unbelievable of how good God is. God is good. He's better than, than you think. We say that week after week. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So what did the father do? He goes out to his son and pleads with him. That's so powerful to me. The father, again, he, he just is so deeply moved and so deeply committed and loyal to his family, to you and to me. And listen to his words, you're always with me. What's he saying? Even when you're not with me, I'm still with you. I mean, that's what God is saying. Even when you're not with God, God is still with you. Even when we're faithless, he remains faithful, the scripture teaches us. You know, we live in a culture where love is more of an emotion. It's more of a feeling. We, we, and feelings, of course, they come and go. Uh, we live in a culture where love gives up pretty easily. I don't love you anymore. We hear that. We see that on TV. We see it in movies. We hear about it in Hollywood. Like love is just this thing that kind of comes and goes. And, and that's not biblical love. Biblical, godly, God the Father kind of love is a committed love. It's a loyal love. It's a, an affectionate love. It's a different kind of love than the love of this world. And this is where we as followers of Jesus are, are called to a, really a higher calling. Uh, it's a loyal unwavering commitment that the heavenly father has for you and for me. And there's a, a, a familiar passage to many, um, Exodus chapter 34, verse six. It's really where we're introduced to this word chesed. It's, it's got that throaty chesed. 
It's spelled C-H-E-S-E-D, but it, if, you, if you spell it with a K, it'll help you pronounce it, chesed. But here's what, here's what Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses, the God of compassion and mercy. And he said, I'm slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And that's the Hebrew word chesed. It's this type of affection that you have for someone, but it is so much more than affection. It's a loyal commitment. Hear this, a loyal commitment to be generous to that person for the long run. It's a kind of love that you can depend on that never runs out. And Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's loyal, committed love. God's relentless, loyal love arrived when Jesus came to this earth. His affection for us is what drives him to give his loyalty to us. And so maybe I could just stop right here. Do you know this kind of love? Do you know that God will never give up on you? He will not turn his back on you, even though you and I, we turn our back on God. This is just like blowing my mind while I'm sitting here. I've been preaching this for, what, 35 years of my life, and just it just feels fresh right here in this moment to me. And I want it to feel fresh to you in this moment. Hillsong Atlanta, uh, Sam Collier is the pastor. And he says this, I love this. He says, somebody needs to know, God hasn't forgotten you. I know it's hard, but God will pull you through this. Don't give up. And I, I just, somebody here is feeling, listening right now, unloved, unworthy. There's no way God could love me. There's no way anybody could love me because of what I've done in secret, what I've done in public, what I've done with my life or not done with my life. Uh, I'm ashamed. I live with guilt. I'm living in the shadows, whatever it is. And, and what you need to know is the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news that there's nothing you can do to make God the Father love you more or love you less. This chesed love this loyal, committed love. Maybe you've never experienced it in your life, in your family. Maybe you've had people breaking up with you or, or leaving you or abandoning you in your life. God the Father will never, ever leave you or forsake you. That's what the scripture promises. And I wanna close with that. Here are our three reflections. This is how good God is. The Father's love is overwhelmingly compassionate. The Father's love is wildly extravagant, and the Father's love is fiercely loyal. And so you're invited to come home to the Father. Come home, come home, come home, come home. Can I plead with you? Come home, it's a safe home. It's a place for you. There is a place for you at the table. There's a room for you in the Father's house. In fact, the Bible says in John 14 that the Father is preparing a room for you, for eternity. So I hope you'll come home today and put your trust in Christ. Believe in him, that your sins will be forgiven and that you can come home as a son and daughter. 
of God the Father. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. Her love so undeniable I can hardly speak peace Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.